Welcome to MLR Kickoff, episode 31, with your hosts, Dan Power, but for Pete Steinberg, James Peterson. Well, that's right. Well, I'm going to go through the resume now, folks. James Patterson joins me tonight, former Super Rugby player with the Canterbury Crusaders, the Highlanders, USA Eagle at the 2011 World Cup, now Kansas City Blues head coach, all-around good guy, and the king of the Agricultural Center of America. James, thanks for joining me, my friend. Cheers, Dan. Thanks for having me on the show. Looking forward to it. Was that a good intro for you? I'm not sure if I'm living up to the hype that is James Patterson. <laughs> that was a long, long time ago. Ghost in the closet there, but yep. No. Wow. It's great to have you on the show, mate. Uh, like I said, Pete is uh, traveling. He's in the air at the moment and wasn't able to jump on the show. So you uh, are the savior for the show tonight. And Interested to get your perspective on all things Major League Rugby. But as is tradition, James, we start things out with a travel tip. Being the guest, I will offer that up to you. And uh, you're a guy who travels globally quite a bit for work. So have you got any tips for the folks out there next time they're on the road? I guess one little tip or a game I like to play, I like to call it status roulette. And basically, little known fact is with some airlines, if you stick, you obviously get some kind of status. And you don't need a massive status to execute this. I'm on United because I'm obviously loyal to a T with Air New Zealand and they're in the alliance together. But uh, one of the good tips that I like to do is you can actually book a ticket. So if you're, I'll give you an example. So I'm flying to New York on Saturday. You book a ticket close into travel and you look at the prices. And of course, the good time you want to go on at 1130 is $799. Yeah. But that horrible, horrible boarding time of 6 a.m. is available. And it's only 180 bucks. Well, United, even if you're just gold or even if you're not, if you're just a regular traveler, it's $75 within 24 hours to change your flight. And there's a really nifty app, the United app. You go on 24 hours before your flight. You go to check in and it'll say, do you want to switch your flight? And you just basically hop on any other flight on that day. It doesn't cost you any more and you get your time. Now, it doesn't work 100% of the time. Sometimes you're going to have to get to the airport at 6 o'clock in the morning. But really, that's my go-to travel tip. And hopefully, there's not more than three or four United people out here that'll wrap me up. I won't be able to do it again. No, I thought you were actually going to do the travel tip where you talk about not flying with people in higher status. So I appreciate you not throwing me under the bus there. Um, James, you're a good guy. All right, mate, let's jump into the weekend's games. Uh, you and I were both at this game on Friday night. With the Raptors and New York clash at Infinity Park. Raptors, season on the line. New York looking to extend the gap between themselves and fifth and sixth to stay in the top four. It was the home side who got a win at the death. Chad London, the hero, scoring a try in the 79th minute. Mate, what were your initial thoughts on this game and the performance first from Glendale and then New York? Yeah, obviously a huge match in terms of the implications on the table. Glendale have been struggling to put things together. They've been a little inconsistent, very inconsistent on the road, but we know how dangerous they are at home. And for me, it was really about the defense. The defense was unreal, really, 93% tackles. But what was more impressive was the ability to slow down New York's ball, fan out, not let him beat the fold. And really, you know, it was something that you don't see Rooney doing often is just kicking the ball away from lack of options. I thought it was actually a really good game. It wasn't the usual spectacle that you're used to seeing, these high-scoring matches, but probably more indicative of what you're going to see at playoff footy time. Yeah, I agree. And it was interesting. The kicking battle became very uh, prevalent towards the back end. And, and Dylan Taikato Simpson, the fullback, who ended up being player of the match, went back old school, James, to the old torpedo, uh, the spiral punt. And he did have one that went off the side of the boot. But overall, his pickups with that kick uh, proved the difference where he was being able to hit that 50, 60 meters in the air where for New York, the old drop punt from Ben Foden and uh, Carl Marsh just not getting the same distance. Yeah, he's an exciting player to watch, isn't he? It's kind of a blast from the past. As you know, now the, the Aussie rules kick's kind of taken over the drop punt. It's a lot more accurate. I've called a few of his games this year, and I don't think I've seen him drop punt once. You know, he's got an uncanny ability, even when under pressure, to lay a nice spiral. And I really enjoy watching him throw those worldly birds when he throws up those spiral bombs. They're very dif- difficult to defuse. Yeah, some great performances as well on... Uh 
with ball in hand. I was, again, impressed with Luke White's game. 10 carries, 76 metres, tradesman-like performance again from the vice-captain. And young Taramai, what a revelation he's been. Just provided a little bit more punch in that Glendale pack. And, and you called Glendale earlier in the year, James, out in Utah when they played the Warriors, who they faced this weekend. We'll talk about that later. But have you noticed the difference that Taramai has made to that pack, having just that size and that dynamic running style? Yeah, there's a couple differences, I think, in the side in the weekend that suited them. Obviously, Taramai, he's a former New Zealand Sevens player. He's really good with the ball in hand. He's a physical player. He gets off the back of the scrum very quickly. I thought he was massive presence all around the field. Another thing that I really liked to see was Arta Malifa sliding into the 10 jersey again. Bit, bit of a quieter game for him. But if you look at the way Glendale's trying to play, essentially with that double-line attack, you need a threat at 10. The week before against San Diego, they didn't have a threat at 10. And Paul McGee, you know, the defensive line, because they wasn't, weren't res- obviously respecting him as a running threat, they were shooting up in the line and it basically killed any of their opportunities. Relief in that playmaking position in the weekend just made the defense check just a little bit, which gave them the ability to play out the back. And No better example when London scored at the end of the game. Yeah, I agree with you there, mate. It's... Um... You know, styles definitely indicate fights, don't they? There's certain matchups. And Will McGee, super talented fly half, you know, probably find himself in Japan at the end of the year at the World Cup with the Eagles. But that San Diego defense just kind of plays right into uh, right into the hands where McGee likes to play, where he's a bit more lateral, not aggressive at the line there. So great observation, that one. Let's talk a little bit about New York. They come off a... a so-so performance against Utah at home. Get the win with a bonus point there. On the road against Glendale. Big game, big travel for them. Uh, just got the feeling they came out a little flat in this one. And I think the injury toll, in particular in the forwards, is starting to tell on the uh, the Rooney side. Yeah, I think it is. We talked to several of the players before the game, including the coach. You know, But that's the test of this competition. It's a longer season this year. You got more sides in, and I, I think depth's going to factor more than ever as we head into the final stretches. They obviously this week announced a massive signing for them. Unfortunately, he's not there in time this season. Matthew Bastereau out of France. That's a as a awesome pickup, especially for the sport in the United States. Yeah, mass- massive is right. If they can keep Bastereau away from Nathan's hot dog there outside their stadium in uh, New York, they could be in some good shape, but. Uh, Big center, and he will complement well with what they have. They welcomed back Will Leonard on the weekend, who had a great game with 14 carries. He led the way in carries for New York for 80 meters, and uh, I think Leonard will be more effective when Martinez back and healthy at 13 as well. Just buy him a little bit more time. The Glendale defense was really able to tee off on Leonard there, especially early in the game, and didn't give him much wiggle room, the inside center. But good to see him back and, and laced up as well. Anyone else from that New York side that you uh, you thought had a good game, mate? All around the field, you know, I thought that – I actually thought McDonald played pretty well. So he played very well. Alexander McDonald, who was all around the field, big man when it came to tackling. And obviously the second rower, one that will want his game back is Fawcett. Fawcett's usually – you know, he's quite a presence around the field. And I think missing a few of those early lineouts in that game, like he did, I think it got into his head. Being a younger player um, – you know, it really removed him as a threat from the game. In previous games, he's been all over the pack, all over the field, providing great go forwards. So, you know, that's perhaps a learning experience for a younger player playing in a tough match against a against a very good defense and a good line out. A little bit of pressure early in the game, and they were able to shut him down. Yeah, I think the week back at eight probably unsettled his uh, his you know. His protocols through the week for training, having to shift back to play eight and back to hooker again. He's probably got his checklist that he likes to tick week in, week out training, and that probably unsettled that a little bit for Fawcett. He'll bounce back, though. I'm sure of that. Uh, Moving on, mate, we go to Saturday night. Utah Warriors, Austin Elite. Austin, winless on the season. They had a close loss to Utah earlier in the year. They probably came into this one anticipating... You know, this this could be it. We could be breaking that duck tonight. But the Warriors, geez, they looked impressive at home, James. Yeah, they did. They were very impressive. You know, we talked about the Warriors a lot this year. They've got so much danger and so much talent within their side. Just the ability to convert 
once they build up those phases and get line breaks and convert line breaks, they've struggled all season, but in this game, they were great. And they've got some real danger, men. You know, I like Gannon more in the midfield. He provides great go forward. And, of course, Fetz, Fedu Vinicolo, he's dangerous, and he was extremely dangerous in the weekend, shedding off tacklers. You know, he had two line breaks. He scored on both line breaks, breaking tackles. That's what you want out of a winger like him. How about that second try for Vainicola? I think I put it up on uh, up on my Twitter account. It's just inc- it was incredible. It takes you back to when you're younger and you're uh, playing junior rugby, and you're like, find the biggest kid, give him the ball, and let him wreak havoc. Vainicola must have beaten five people on the way, and they're just falling off him. Good defenders from Austin as well, just falling off him as he goes to the line. Brilliant stuff from Vainicola. He's deceptively strong. I actually played with him down at the Highlanders and remember in tackling drills with him, he's a short guy, but I tell you what, he accelerates through the tackle and that was shades of some of his best. Yeah, let's look at Austin here. Really at this point, it's all about who's going to be there in 2020. If you're the coaching staff and you know, you're the ownership and management, what players do you want to keep? Because going winless so far in the season, out of the playoff hunt, you've got to start looking towards next year. Do you start maybe bringing in some younger players, looking at some academy players and potentially some of the college kids who will be done after this coming weekend and saying, you know what, we're going to start building toward 2020 and getting some experience in this squad for some of these younger guys? Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a good point, Dan. Um, you know, it's a good opportunity to blood in some new players. doesn't mean you need to throw away things entirely. If you look at Austin in the weekend, statistically they weren't actually that bad. Uh, they carried the ball more. They gained more meters. They made gain line more, 74% against 63%. You know, they they led a lot of the statistics. They just couldn't finish. And, you know, one big thing with them, whether that's cohesion within the group, it's not due to lack of ability because they're showing in the statistics that they can do it. It's, it's just not quite gelling for them. And I think we've all been involved in teams in the past where things aren't going so well, and that kind of compounds the issues. And it, and it makes rugby is a real flow game. And when you get guys that are tense and tight, you know, and they're in this pressure situation, that's where those those little passes don't come off. And you're seeing that happen for them quite frequently in the last few games. Yeah, well, well said there, mate. It's true, isn't it? It almost becomes uh, like winning becomes a habit. Losing can become a habit as well. And you've got to almost go back as the coaching staff and find out where is the motivation? Like, where am I going to find the motivation to turn these guys around? Every door I've been knocking on so far has, you know, yielded nothing for me. What am I going to do to trigger these guys to get? And sometimes it can be something super simple. Like I'm sure through your career, you had some stretches where you're not doing well. And, you know, for me, it was always maybe just getting away from the sport for a bit. Coaches would organize a day trip to go go-karting or do something and just not rugby related and just took your mind off, hey, we haven't won a game yet or we're not doing this, we're not doing it. just hits that refresh button. So I'm not sure if that's what they have to do down there, but they're going to have to look at something here so 2019 isn't a complete write-off for them. Yeah, and it's no easier this weekend for them, obviously, taking on NOLA. But, you know, well said, and it's a great point. You know, good example of that is French club at the moment. Power, they're littered with all blacks, and they struggled. They just fired their coach, and this last week I was talking to one of their players, and they actually just took a few days off. They had a team barbecue. They went, did a few things, and then they beat racing in the weekend, the number three side. You know, they hadn't won in six or eight games before it. So it's just you've got to be able to break that habit. And sometimes it's good just to get away, as you said. Mate, when's Colin Slade coming to Major League Rugby? Give us a scoop right now, James. <laughs> it's very, very tight-lipped, but there's a, there's a chance one day he'll come. He's a big fan of the USA, so there's a few of them lining up at this stage. So, All right, mate, let's move on now. This was uh, potentially game of the round here in terms of its effects on uh, the standings. We had Glendale in New York on the Friday night, but on Sunday, Toronto and Seattle, the defending champs on the road up in Canada. A lot of Canadians playing for the Seattle side, obviously. Now, this one was very, very close up until the final quarter of the game where Toronto got in a few late tries there. But the Arrows, they're trying, they're starting to find their groove, James, down the stretch. Yeah, they're actually one of my dark horses for the competition this year. Um, they had a tough stretch at the beginning, but they're very good at home and they're building into this season. 
And you got players like Moore. He was massive in the weekend, Dan Moore. Um, hit 19 carries, gained 172 metres. you got the experience of players like him. It's very difficult. Yeah, you've got to give credit to uh, Mike Shepard as well. I don't know what uh, what his secret is, but Mike Shepard every week is just absolutely everywhere on the field. 17 carries again this week. Then he backs it up as well with a pretty big day defensively. Had a couple of misses, but if you go back and watch the film, uh, they weren't you know bad one-on-one misses for Mike. It was more coming in and, and helping out in tough situations. So uh, they definitely look good and tough one this week when they take on the Legion. But right now, Toronto looking the goods down the stretch. And I, I, I got to agree with you, mate. I've got them. I had them written off a couple of weeks ago after they lost to New Orleans. I really thought, you know, losing that opener at home and it's not a great sign. But the last two weeks, they're starting to make me, uh, uh, is it a, a believer? Is that the Canadian reference because of Justin B? Is it a believer? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, they've, got a, they've got a really impressive set piece. So their scrum is, we've seen them absolutely demolish team scrum. One of the most impressive things was I saw in about six inches of snow up in Glendale, they put them on skates or skis that evening, all the way back. And, you know, they're 100% of the scrums they won in the weekend. You know, they steal the line out. They're very good. And, you know, with Sam Malkin at 10, he's an excellent positional kicker. And territory, possession are obviously huge things. And the weekend, he was able to rack off, I think it was 450 metres on 13 kicks. You know, if you look at that as opposed to the Seattle side, you know, 12 kicks only gained 290 metres. So, it's a lot of yardage gained or pressure relieved, as it was in that instance. They're able to get out of their half or get down towards halfway, and you know, that makes a big difference because when those Seawolves get up, they get up, and defending your goal line for multiple phases against them is very tiring. He played the conditions beautifully, didn't he, Malcolm? There was a strong wind up there, and he really did a good job. Seattle without their first-choice fly half in Ben Seema. J.P. Smith steps in the scrum half. Um, so you can probably put that down to just a little bit of a lack of experience at 10 with those conditions. But the champs will bounce back, Seattle. I'm pretty sure uh, one of their uh, new signings might help them out as it was announced uh, today officially. It, it had the worst-kept uh, secret in Major League Rugby that <laughs> Samu Manoa has put pen to paper and he'll be with the Seawolves. We're expecting to see him somewhere in the match day 23 this weekend. But how about, just firstly, obviously, before we talk about the game in Seattle, how big of a signing is that for the Seawolves? That's probably the biggest signing. It is the biggest signing of any team for the year. You know, Samu's obviously had a bit of a break from rugby, but he is extremely dangerous, and he's a presence on the field, strong ball carrier, massive on defense, and he's just one of those guys that gets you up on the pitch. You see him, he leads by example, and he's going to be a big impact it's quite funny when it was announced, I was actually talking to a few other coaches and players from another team and they just shook their head. You know, that's the type of player he is. He can change games and he will do that for the Seawolves. Yeah, I've had uh, both positive and negative on the field experiences with some. I've been on, been on the receiving end of some of his specials, which wasn't pleasant, and also got to play alongside him and see exactly how damaging he can be. So good signing for them. Couldn't come at a better time as they, you know, come off the back of that tough loss up there against Toronto. They looked they looked a little tired and a little little loose, to be honest, in the way they were playing. And perhaps that is losing their fly half in SEMA. Perhaps it's just the grind of the season. But I expect, you know, as a player, having someone like this come into your locker room, I'd find it pretty refreshing. You know, your thoughts on that when you have like a, a high caliber player come into the squad? I think it gets you up. Uh, firstly, if you're a young player in that environment and you've looked up to someone for such a long time, they serve as not, they're the best barometer for you. You look at them, you want to play to their level. You want to see if you can play to their level. So little things they do, it makes you just work that little bit harder to stay with them. Uh, it was great when I was a young player getting to play along, you know, some all-black greats, and they're obviously a much better player than me, but it also lifted my game just wanting to be there and, and to earn their respect put it that way. So I think he I think he brings that to teams, but he also brings uh, the ability to bring the, phys- the physical aspect to the game, being able to come up and make a big hit or make a big run to change the momentum of the game is also equally important. Yeah, that first big hit, uh, 
that we see from Samu. They've got the week off, so we're going to have to wait, you know, another week to see him go. But that first big hit, it's going to get everyone fired up for it. Mate, last game of the round, it was the Legion and the Sabercats down there in Houston, uh, away from Aviva Stadium as they uh, are getting that prepped up for their official home opener, I believe, not this weekend, next weekend. Uh, Aviva Stadium, Aviva, Aviva, one of those, pretty close. And, uh, mate, the Sabercats, well, it's, it's tough at this point of the season, isn't it? They, they had two wins against Utah and Austin, so teams that are around the same place on the table. But when they come up against these top four sides, they're just they're, there is a chasm in class between the sides, isn't there? Yeah, there is, and it's very difficult against a side like the Legion. The Legion, in my mind, have the best defence in the league. So they force you to try things perhaps you don't have to do against other sides. You know, again, statistically, if you look at them on paper, there wasn't that big of a difference. Really, the big difference was is the Legion made six line breaks. They scored six tries. You know, Houston made seven line breaks, and they only scored three tries. And that's the class of players for the Legion, you know, with Augsburger, you heard his name called multiple times, Teo. They were linking, interlinking, and it's a pretty thing to watch when guys are in harmony like that. And this Legion side are going to be very, very difficult to beat anywhere. Yeah, mate, I, I agree with you there. It is going to be a tough run. For anyone running to this Legion side, they actually got up to Toronto this weekend, so that will be one to keep an eye on. Uh, mate, what else on this one? What about for the Sabercats? At this point, Justin Fitzpatrick, the coach there, what's he got to do to kind of show some improvement for, for his side in 2019? It's a difficult position to be in, just like we spoke about before. Um, you know, it's, it just comes down to execution. And so, uh, you know, I don't know. Off the set piece, they're not bad. They're actually pretty good in set piece. Uh, the defense is all right, around 90% tackle rating in this game, around 90% head-up efficiency. It just comes down to broken play. You know, when you're able to make that line break, are you able to take advantage of the three-on-two, two-on-ones, four-on-threes that you see? You know, the better teams are able to recognize that and do it. And perhaps, you know, that's a little bit of something that comes into training, yeah? A little bit more broken play training. We train the set piece over and over and over again, yeah? And as soon as the set piece is good, that's okay. But most of your tries are scored off broken play. And... You know, that's one thing that I see when I watch these Sabercats is it's just it's just not quite sticking. And that's often a sign of guys that are a little regimented and, and aren't quite used to seeing how each other plays in broken play. Yeah, training definitely not the, the greatest cauldron to be working on that, as you know. You know, once yeah. you step in between those white lines, Everything changes. The intensity, the you know, the situational set pieces change. You don't get clean ball like you do at practice. You've got to start recognizing opportunities that aren't there in practice that you see in games that and things yeah move a lot quicker. But uh mate, a lot of great performances over the weekend from a lot of players around the league. But player of the week this week comes from north of the border. Uh, another Game of Thrones reference, one of the White Walkers from Toronto. And it was their captain and winger, Dan Moore, who earned Player of the Week honours. And I got a chance to sit down and catch up with the Canadian superstar earlier today. Joined now by Toronto Arrows winger and captain Dan Moore. Dan, Player of the Week honours come your way for Major League Rugby. But I'm sure, more importantly, back-to-back wins for the Arrows. How'd you pull up after that game on the weekend, my man? Yeah, I'm fine, and and you know our, our team for the most part is in a pretty good position physically. But yeah, it was awesome uh, to get two on the trot like that. Uh, big uh, big performance uh, for us on the weekend. Hopefully, we can get uh, a third here. Yeah, tough one this week against San Diego. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But let's jump into the Seattle game. Always a big game taking on the defending champions. Seattle themselves finding a little bit of form as players come back from injuries. How was the week leading up to this game, knowing that you had the champs coming in at home and obviously that carrot dangling in front of you for back-to-back wins for the first time in 2019? Yeah, I mean, I think there was great intensity around training. Um, really, the two weeks leading up to it, I thought we trained amazing against Houston. Probably didn't perform at the level that we wanted to. Um, but came together against Seattle. So I really think... 
you know, what, what we try to drive in, in our environment is that it's all about preparation in that week that's going to lead to a good performance. Um, and, you know, just it showed on Sunday all the hard graft from, uh, from Monday to Saturday paid off. So it was uh, satisfying for the players. How has it been being back at home in Toronto now? It's, you know, very publicized, eight weeks on the road to start the season. How is the talk within the team and how is the coaching staff keeping, you know, um, you know that positive attitude, keeping energy high through that eight-week stretch? Yeah, I mean, I think it's been huge for us to, to get off the road. Um, you know, the, to, to be honest with you, when you're on the road traveling every weekend, you sort of burn close to two full days. So it's been nice to sort of have that back into our schedule. You know, we're able to do a bit more on the training side, which I think it was, is being reflected in our play. Um, but also just from sort of a body management and recovery standpoint, uh, huge to, to be able to sort of, um, you know, avoid that, that tax or that burden of all that travel. Um, because, you know, sometimes it's a bit subconscious, but it does build up over time. Uh, but I think probably the biggest positive thing for us is, you know, the first eight weeks we got great support, um, you know, obviously uh, from afar from back home, but actually to come home and, and sort of see it. Uh, in the stands and all the people that we've been able to to chat to and the fans that we've been able to meet up to this point in time has been fantastic. So I think that's probably the the most rewarding um, part of it. And, and the crowd has played a big role for us. I think if you look at our last two games, um, you know, had fairly strong last uh, 20 minutes to to take home a couple wins. And I think the the fans played a big part of that. So, um, you know, it's just been awesome to to get home and, and to sort of have that uh, that support and hopefully build a, a fortress up in here in Toronto, make a, a place that um, you know it's tough for, for other teams to come visit and try and get a result. Yeah, definitely what you want to look. Toronto is such a great sporting city as well. That will be uh, a definite tough road trip for most teams in Major League Rugby. Dan, let's go back a couple of steps. And much was publicised about your decision to leave, you know, work in Toronto years ago and move west to be part of the centralised program. You know, we've kind of, everyone's touched on that and we know about that. I want to know a little bit more about your time over at uh, University of Oxford. You know, such a distinguished program, such a, a well-known university. You spent two years there, I believe, doing your master's degree? Uh, it was about 12 months straight, yeah. Okay, see, he's smarter than I thought. It took me two years just to get out of, you know, the fifth grade, best two years of my life. but. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about that experience, in particular, you know, the big varsity match every year as you play against Cambridge. How was your experience over there and how has that experience kind of shaped you coming back to Toronto now? Yeah, I mean, it was an amazing experience for me, you know, I think firstly, just sort of on a personal and academic side. I mean, there's world-class academics there. Um, some of the people that I got to meet were just, you know, phenomenal individuals that I probably wouldn't meet in, in any other sort of walk of life. My program there, I did an MBA, was very international. So, I walk away from the program with, um, you know, strong friendships with people from South Africa, Australia, Japan, um, you know, all over Southeast Asia. Uh, so, and, and, you know, not just those relationships and those friendships, but also just their perspective on the world, which I think is, you know, incredibly valuable. Um, but from a, you know, rugby perspective, uh, you know, as you mentioned, there's a very historic um, program or, or club at the University of Oxford and a great tradition of uh, rugby, you know, it's a club that historically has, has beaten the Springboks. Um, you know, have all blacks come and play in sort of the eighties and nineties at the tail end of their career. So really high caliber uh, rugby tradition. You know, I don't think the play is necessarily at that level that it was at one point in time, but there's still some really sharp players. You know, we had two guys that had over 125 uh, caps in the prem. So, you know, really strong rugby. Um, and you know, I think when I was there, uh, you know, I got to play you know, probably close to 30 games for the club. So just coming back from, you know, coming from North America, where particularly in a, in a city like Toronto, you might only get, you know, four or five months of the year with, with the seasons where you can actually play rugby. Whereas in England, it was such an enriching experience to go over and, and play you know, high quality opposition week in, week out. And I think, um, you know, I really grew as a, as a rugby player with that opportunity. Yeah, I bet. Uh, Connor Kearns, was he there when you were there, the San Diego he, player? Yeah, he was. It was actually fantastic to meet up with him uh, and catch up with him after we played San Diego earlier on in the season. He's a, he's a really good cat. Yeah, he, now you play San Diego this week, and Connor hasn't been in the side the last couple of weeks. So the, you've, you started the very academic, probably very highbrow banter, the sledging between you and Connor, <laughs> the two Oxford grads yet. 
Uh, you know, I'll save the the sledging for in person. I'm trying to be, uh, you know, supportive. I, I saw him score an absolute blinder a couple of weeks ago uh, against New York. So, um, you know, it seems like you know, he's got form, and I, I don't know how the selections are going on over there. But you know, he's a he's a top quality player. It was actually nice when we when I went down and played. Um, you know, when we played in San Diego earlier on in the season, we were actually lined up against each other uh on the wing so that was um you know a good a good battle and we we had uh, a couple laughs and a couple of beers uh after so that was enjoyable oh it's great that's the beauty of rugby right it's a global game and who would have thought at school at oxford that just two three years later you two would be marking up against each other yeah exactly yeah, exactly you can't rate that so you mentioned connor's try against new york let's talk a little bit about your try on the weekend against seattle in my opinion, watching the game, I felt as though that, that was the uh, the big turning point. Seattle really lost a lot of momentum. It was off the back of one of their mistakes. But talk us through your thought process when you saw that opportunity and then, you know, as you get the ball in that little bit of space, you go to the outside. What's going through your mind there? Yeah, I mean, there's not probably too much going through my mind, to be honest. It's more instinctive. And I think that's probably when you're playing your best rugby. It's just instinctive. But, uh, you know, Jamie McKenzie... Uh, came on and, and um, you know, he got a ball from our 10, created a, you know, he, he drew a defender in and created a great hole outside him. Uh, I just saw a bit of, a bit of space and, and just sort of put the pedal down, um, you know, got through the hole and, and then was you know, lucky enough to, to finish it off. It was a, a great feeling. So I'd probably, yeah, I've had a bunch of people text me that I was a bit over the top on the celebration in the, uh, in the try zone, but you know, there's nothing sort of, disrespectful meant by it or anything you know i'm just out there having fun and it was a big play for for our team so i was uh you know super excited about it hey anyone gives you grief over that you send them my way dan i'll take care of them <laughs> fun police out and forth i love it i love it you're not being disrespectful you're not getting in the face of anyone else you know uh one of your teammates avery Orderman, got a little bit of grief early in the year for the same kind of thing and i think in uh 2019 with what we're doing here, I think it's a good part of the game. We we should actually bring in the Tri Celebration Award. Whoever can have the most creative <laughs> Tri Cell, you'd be up there. What was it? it? Was the arrow right? You're shooting the arrow. Yeah, that's what I was trying to trying to do. Throw the ball up and put an arrow through it. But uh, yeah, so it wasn't an Avengers shout out to uh, old mate from the Avengers, the bow and arrow guy. His no, name it wasn't. Me. It, it wasn't. Uh, I'm actually not an Avengers fan. I don't think I've seen one movie, but some of the the nerds on my team are uh, have been freaking out over the last week about it. But, um, but I think it's, it's it's interesting point you bring up. I think you know I know Avery you know has kind of caught a little bit bit of heat. I think um, you know at least in social media. Who's I mean who, who's to say that how much that really matters? But I think you know for a young kid like Avery, um, you know he's a great great work ethic, and I think. You know, unfortunately, when when people sometimes see, you know, maybe a small celebration like that, you know, they kind of get they jump to conclusions on a guy. But, you know, he's a guy that comes in. He grafts so hard from, you know, Monday to Saturday, working on his game, little improvements. Um, you know, he's a very humble, soft spoken kid. And when he crosses that line, um, you know, his his mentality just absolutely switches. And I think you know he's 19 right now. Some of those tries that he's finishing you know, he has that elite finisher mentality. I was lucky enough to, to go to, um, you know, to trial at Wasp for a couple months last year. And guys like Christian Wade, you know, Marcus Watson, Josh Bassett, Elliot Daly, you know, they have that, that switch. Um, and I, I see that in Avery. You know, I think he's a tremendous talent. He's going to be, you know, the next great Canadian winger, uh, I really think. So, um, you know, it's exciting to, to be on the same team as him and see him sort of mature over the course of the season. He's uh, he's an unbelievable player. Yeah, I'm a big fan as well. Uh, it was that game against San Diego. You played this weekend last time down there. You guys had that amazing second half, which he was a big part of, uh, scoring that try. And ever since then, I've uh, been a big fan of what he's doing down there. I think that combination of you and him on the wings is going to be pretty lethal down the stretch for the Arrows. But let's talk a little bit of San Diego now, mate. We talked about that game. In San Diego, the comeback, I'm sure that's going to sit uh, – it won't sit too well with San Diego coming to this weekend. Short memories in rugby usually. How are yeah. you approaching this week, taking them on at a time, considering, you know, along with just you and the Arrows, probably the form team in Major League Rugby at the moment is San Diego. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think Dan, you know, the important thing for us is how do we build from our performance last weekend? So I thought that second half – was probably, you know, there's certain passages that were probably some of the best rugby we've played all season. 
Um, so keep building, building on that. You know, obviously San Diego has a lot of weapons across the pitch. Um, you know, really strong back line and some really big boys up front. But you know, at the end of the day, we got to focus on ourselves and, and what can we do? What can we bring to the table and, and how do we perform best as a team? Um, you know, obviously on our defensive side, we've you know, sort of taken some notes in our preparation as to who are the danger men on their side. But, um, you know, as, as, as far as it goes, as you know, our sort of game plan on, on attack, we got to sort of back ourselves. Um, you know, I think this last performance this past weekend against the reigning champs, we can go in with with lots of confidence uh, this weekend to you know try and get a result at at home as well. I think you know that San Diego performance earlier on in the season when we were able to beat them on the road uh, was a great confidence booster for our team. We had a you know we have a young team, um, and I think it was a bit of a of a turning point in terms of our maturation. And hopefully, you know, we can take that that next step and and put together a good performance uh, against a very strong San Diego team at home. Yeah, it should be a big crowd out there too. Uh, I know there was some competition with the uh, Crosstown Code that we won't talk about last Saturday, but uh, <laughs> I think you have the run of the town this weekend, so it should be a good one. Mate, let's talk a little bit of personal stuff now in terms of you and playing. So far this year, toughest opponent for you individually? Who have you come up against that's given you the uh, the toughest game so far? As a team, I, I mean, to be honest, I think San Diego uh... – was probably the toughest team we've we've played this year. They just have so many weapons, you know, big, strong athletes up front, um, and some serious pace uh, in the back. So you know, they're a very dangerous team for sure. What about one on one? Is there another winger that you've come up against? Yeah, I mean, there's there's great talent in the in the league for sure. I think um, Tristan Blewett, I believe is his last name. He plays for Nola. I mean, that guy is a very dynamic player. Um, you got shifted partially into 13 or you played 13, I think in our second game, but our first game, you know, he's a really dynamic ball runner, danger man with ball in hand. So he's definitely a, you know, a player I'd, I'd rate in the league. He's a live wire, isn't he? Blew it. Yeah. He is a good player. Yeah. All right. I'm going to ask you one more question and this is going to test how much uh, you actually learn over at Oxford. All right. Okay. Dan Moore of Canada is running in a race. Yeah. And, he passes the person in second place. Where are you coming in the race? I'm coming in second. Oh, Dan Moore. <laughs> cannot, cannot trick him with anything. I love it. You'd be surprised how many people get that one wrong. And uh, I had a feeling that I might have been biting off more than I can chew there with you, brother. I have to admit, I saw the uh, the NRL video. Oh, that's right. I stole it from too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have... Uh, I picked up a couple Aussie buddies in the uh, in the NBA, so they uh, they made sure I got my eyes on that one. So I was prepared for that. I'll, ha- I'll have yeah, to send them I, a thank you text. I forgot how well traveled you are, and uh, <laughs> I, I did enjoy watching that as well, especially when they started arguing that no, I'm in, I'm in second place, and it was uh, it was a good video. We'll f- we'll find the link for the show for everyone else who hasn't seen it. It's a pretty good quality video, and I need to find new material. <laughs> yeah, I mean, any listeners out there, I'd say. Definitely check out that video. It's it's well worth the two, three-minute watch. It is. Dan Moore, appreciate you joining the show tonight, my friend. Really, really loving you playing, uh, you, the form you're in up there and uh, Japan 2019. I know it's been a while since you've been with the Maple Leafs. I'm sure that's uh, at the forefront as well for you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Dan, as you know, it's the the pinnacle of of our sport and you know anybody who's who's playing at a, at a decent level dreams to represent their country on the biggest stage. So, it's definitely a personal aspiration. I'm, you know, pouring everything into it to, to hopefully crack that squad. I'll be watching this weekend, mate. Hopefully, a, a new try celebration, something creative there as well from you. <laughs> uh, you want me to switch it up, eh? You got to, got to stay fresh. You got to keep things light and, and fresh. But thanks again for joining the show, my man. Real excited for this game against the San Diego Legion this weekend. That's Dan Moore, the Toronto Arrows Player of the Week, winger and captain. Not too many of those in World Rugby, the winger captain. So doing great things up there. Thanks for joining us again, Dan. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for having me on. There you go, James. Dan Moore, and you said earlier in the in the rundown of the weekend, what a great player. You know, he scored an amazing individual try for them. It really broke the Seawolves back. But what a great player and a, and a great ambassador up there. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And always... It's a great thing when you see a winger getting 19 carries in a game. It just shows how involved he is and the fact that he is a leader. He's willing to step in anywhere, first receiver, second receiver. It's great to watch. Well-deserved player of the week. Now, let's see if you're as good as Dan Moore, James. If you're running in a race, 
and you pass the person coming in second, where are you coming in the race? Goodness, I didn't think about that one. First? Yes. Yes. <laughs> no, I wouldn't know. I never finished first in any race, mate. So. Oh, come on. Come on. Now, I was going to say something really inappropriate then, but I know <laughs> I was about to say it too. too well. But no, you're coming in second because the person who's in first is still in first. You passed the person in second. Uh, Dan Moore got that one right straight away. James Patterson, not so much. And for the listeners, that's the difference between an Oxford education and the public <laughs> school system in New Zealand, huh, James? <laughs> yes, that is exactly <laughs> good. good example. Uh, all right, mate. You actually have joined the show on a great night because we have a special, special moment now. It is my uh, power matchup of the week where I go into the one-on-one battle I'm looking forward to most. So let me just hit my intro here that I've created for power matchup of the week. There you go. I have the power of little He-Man. Shout out to going again. I don't know how to work it. There we go. Power matchup of the week. It actually involves our player of the week. So Dan Moore, the, the winger for Toronto. I've got him versus Ryan Mattias, the San Diego Legion winger. Uh, wingers have played a big part in Major League Rugby this year. There's a game evolves and change. We'll see Johnny Ryberg, you know, the quadricep with eyeballs down there in Glendale. 11 tries leading the way. And uh, Avery Oiderman, also of Toronto. Just a couple of real standout players. Fetz Vanacolo, another one. So the wingers showing their uh, medal this year in Major League Rugby. I'm excited to see this one. It's a little bit of uh, lightning and thunder battle as Matthias and Moore get going up there in Toronto. Anyone in particular that excites you this week, a one-on-one matchup or a one-on-one battle you're looking forward to, mate? No, just, just have to look at the roster here. I reckon... Oh, on the spot. On the spot. Uh, I haven't got did. an intro for you. I haven't got you like a three out of the bus. Should I make my own intro here? No, yeah, sure. Sure. <laughs> no, Glendale, it depends on who they start really this weekend. So if they start Adam Alifa again, he was very good last time against Utah. Obviously, that was a drawn ball game last time. But it'll be very interesting to see the matchup of the tens there. You have Adam Alifa, and then of course for Utah, you have the man, the Tasman man himself. Number 10. Oh, no, it'll either be Reeves, who's a very good kicker, or O'Malley. So, really, that's not a very good matchup. I've given you two 50-50 options there. But if I was Utah, I'd be probably play, playing O'Malley again against Malifa. And then probably the other way around, it'll be it'll be Reeves. If, so. if it's McGee starting. Yeah, Reeves yeah. has kind of got the rub of the green there with the fly half uh, starts. And O'Malley's been playing a lot of 12, which which I kind of like that combination there. Let's O'Malley have a little bit more space to kind of play. And he seems like a more instinctual player, doesn't he? Like one of those old school plays, what he sees, more creative kind of ball player where Reeves seems to enjoy the structure a little bit more. And I think having those two together, I think once O'Malley gets a 10, he goes a little rogue sometimes. Try to just does his own thing. And I'm not sure everyone gets on the same page quick enough. We're at 12. It's just a little bit more time for him to kind of weigh things up and knows when to run, knows when to pass. Good player. Both of them good players. So that's actually a pretty good matchup too. And you'd think that Glendale won't tinker with a, a winning side too much. So Malifa at 10 would be the option, barring injury or anything as well, especially against a big physical Utah side. I think I like Malifa. He's a bit more solid in defense there as well. So you've done really well there for getting put on the spot, James. Cheers, mate. Yeah, well, let's jump into the weekend's games. Uh, this is where we do our tips. Now, I'm, I'm on the fence whether I should let you tip for Pete or whether we should have Pete actually text his tips in before he gets oh, to listen to the show. I'm, I'm so to uh, you know to uh, to create a sense of fairness since we are making him hold on to Mark's picks. I will, I will make him send them in. Don't let, don't tell him who I picked though, Aaron. I won't. All right, all right, James. You get a uh, you get a one off. So it'll just be me and you. A little side bet here. We'll put some sushi on the line. Right. All right. First game is Austin Elite. This game was meant to be in Houston. It's now in New Orleans. It's on Facebook Watch, and this one is at four thirty Eastern, one thirty Pacific on Saturday. You get to go first on this one. What do you think? I think Nola. They'll pick up maximum points from this match. You know, it's, it's 
difficult for Austin to come back, but this New Orleans side are very, very good at scoring points. And it's going to be a very tough ask for Austin. Yeah, teams have teams have struggled off the bye, though, I've noticed this year. They haven't really re- responded how you would anticipate having that time off. But I think losing uh, their last hit up out in Seattle, then getting the week off to kind of you know, analyze that and go over it. They probably got a bit of a touch up at training as well on the conditioning side of things. You know, Nate Osborne will be uh, fuming about letting that one slip through their fingers. I thought they had the better of the game in Seattle. I'll go, I'll go New Orleans as well. I think they're going to, I think it's going to get ugly down there in that uh, humid swamp that is Louisiana. I will go 47, 12 New Orleans. It's going to be raining gold down there. And notice I didn't say the inappropriate version of that. I said raining goal. <laughs> All right, mate, let's move it on. So we're both in agreement. Warriors at Glendale. This is at uh, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Saturday night. It's on 9news.com and KUZZ out in Utah. What are your thoughts on this one? This is going to be a tough one for Glendale because I think I'll go first. So I won't make you go first every time. It's not fair. I think it's going to be a tough one emotionally for Glendale. That was a big win against New York. They come up against a big physical side against Utah who can score points quickly. And uh, you called that game last time in Utah. I know that uh, you got to see a little bit. I felt Utah let that one slip through their fingers. So Alf Daniels will probably be drilling that into his side all week that do not take your foot off the throat if we get out to a lead against these guys and really execute and finish this uh, performance. So I'm actually... And you and I, close friends with Zach Fenolia, he gets very emotional when you pick against him. But I'm actually going to pick Utah to beat the Raptors out there. That's a big call. Big call. Yeah, I think there's there's shades of it. But to be honest, if Glendale comes out and they defend like they did against this New York side last weekend, it's going to be very, very difficult for Utah. Uh, I'm going to go with the Raptors because they're perfect at home and they've been perfect home for pretty much the last couple of years. So I'll back them. It'll be a tighter game and a lower scoring game than perhaps we're used to seeing between these two teams. So I'm going to say 21 points to 16. Yeah, I didn't give a score. I'll go uh, 25-23. There you go. Ooh. There you go. Yeah, no, I think it'll be close Feisty. too. Yep. Moving on, mate, to uh, Sunday. So that actually was May the 4th, uh, Star Wars Day. I should have thrown that in as well. May the 4th be with you. Uh, now we go May the 5th, Cinco de Mayo. And it starts at 2 p.m. Eastern, uh, 11 Pacific, as we have San Diego on the road against Toronto. This one on Game TV up there in Canada on Fox 5 in San Diego and ESPN+. Plus. Yeah, I'm going to back the arrows here. At home again. Last time, they were one of the only few teams this year to beat the Legion. They beat them 27 points to 20 at home for the Legion. And I really think this arrow side are building, and they're building towards the end of the season exactly the right way. So I'm going to back them to win at home. Now, I know you don't listen to the show, and I'm disappointed that you don't, but that's all right. We'll, uh, we'll work on that. But a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how to beat the Legion and it's patience. You've got to be patient with the way they defend. You cannot get through that Legion defense on phase one, two, three, four. You've got to be very, very patient with the way you play the ball and let them unsettle themselves defensively before the attack. And Toronto are so good at holding onto the ball and recycling possession. I'm going to go with you here as much as it pains me because I do love the Legion right now, but I think at home, big crowd. Toronto will get the win, 20 points to 18. Going to be a tight one. Could come down to uh, to the kickers there. All right, mate. And they both have excellent oh, kickers. That'll be a good one. They do have excellent kickers. Did you give a score for that one? I'm going to say 24-17. Oh, converted try. Last game of the week, 5 p.m. Eastern on Sunday, so 2 p.m. Pacific. It's the Houston Sabercats versus New York. This is the CBS Sports Game of the Week, so I'll be out there doing this one for CBS. And Sabercats at New York. I have to go first on this one, don't I? Because you went first. Yep, I'll go first. Uh, New York have to bounce back. And I'm pretty sure that Mike Tolkien has put that message in everyone's head. Uh, I'd be interested to see the roster if they start to get some players back as well. A lot of injuries out there in New York. So once they get healthy, 
look out because they've got some games at home down the stretch as well. But I will say uh, New York, and until the Sabercats can show me something different, it's going to be really tough to to tip Houston, unfortunately. So many talented players down there, and I think the, the ownership's done a really good job of putting together a playing roster. It's just not clicking, so which is uh, unfortunate. Houston's such a great rugby city as well, so hopefully they can figure that out. But I'll go New York. I think it'll be a, another weekend similar to last weekend for Houston where they're competitive for a period, but then it'll blow out. So I'll go uh, 39 points to 15. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to side with you here on this one. New York's a difficult place to travel for any team. It's uh, not exactly easy. Um, traveling to a big city like that, it's not always smooth or fluid, the travel arrangements. But if you really look at this New York side, I think they took a lot of learnings out of the weekend. They haven't been tested that well against a, a strong defense before. They rely on their ability to hit the back of the line out, get that rolling mall going, change direction of play. And I think one thing they learned in the weekend, it, again, is a little bit more patience, but it's being able to essentially turn two feet into four. There's a lot of, there's a lot of one-up ball carriers running into four-man, uh, essentially four-foot tackles, so two-man tackles. I think one thing they're going to do this week get a little bit tighter, they're going to get across the gain line, and that's when they're better playing on the front foot. So I'm going to say that New York will run away with it, and I'll say 31 points to 14. So we'll have to keep an eye on Saturday night, the only game that we were different on, Utah and Glenda. Well, folks, there you have it. Big weekend coming up in uh, Major League Rugby. So make sure you tune in. Four games spread across two days. James, appreciate you jumping on and joining us, mate. No, thanks for having me. Good luck. For, what's next for the Kansas yeah. City Blues? We actually just finished the season in not great conditions in the weekend. We played a game of rugby and 60-mile-an-hour winds and 20-degree sleet. So they, they're done for the spring. So big seven season coming for the Blues. So watch out for them on the national stage. We've got some exciting players coming through. Oh, we're good. Hopefully you uh, you guys thaw out before the seventh season starts. Sounds like a fun game. Makes me really want to jump back in and start playing again when I hear about conditions like that. <laughs> yeah. All right, JP. Thanks again for joining us. For James Patterson, our producer, Aaron Castro, I'm Dan Powell. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.